What's with all these badass women in movies and TV who still need to be rescued by men? Or the ones who can defeat armies of muscle-bound henchmen barehanded, but have to do it in skin-tight suits and high heels? And what's up with those badass women who never wanted or needed a man until our suave hero sexed her up, and then she dies? Welcome to the Outrider Podcast's seven-part series, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. I'm your host, Jason Quinn Malott, and I'll be talking with the writer, performer, and all-around badass who identified these tropes, my friend Jen Zukowski. So strap on some pasties and a merkin, and let's do this thing. So here we are. Oh, yes, we are. To, to segue into... <laughs> From the color red into tonight's topic, here red we are. The blood on, of angry men. A, <laughs> so here we are. It's our our final episode for uh, for the Outrider podcast. Our problematic badass female tropes. Tonight we're we're here we're here for Jen's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> we are only here we're, for my we're vagina. We're here for Jen's vagina. <laughs> That's like Zuko's tits, but it's a little Zuko's bit more tits. Right. <laughs> and of course, that is the the topic, the actual uh, title of, yes. of the problematic badass female trope is, I'm only here for my vagina. Now, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> or according to the cats, you're only here for me, pussy. <laughs> you're only here for the pussy. You're only here for my pussy. Shush. Not you. <laughs> I can't hear. I can't hear them myself. That's okay. So. I can. I can hear them, and she's right at my de- right at my chair, being mad at me. She wants either on the chair with me or wants me to play with her. She's like, "You're only here for the pussy." I know. And she's like, "I mean cats." Okay, now shut up. So. <laughs> she's so cute, though. Aww. I know. I know. <laughs> They're both adorable. I came home yes. today to. Um, one of them or both of them had gotten into the cupboard where I keep all of my spare plastic grocery bags. And oh, no. <laughs> they were just scattered all over the apartment. Yep. Cats love those things, man. Oh, these little animals. So the the basic thrust of the trope wow. is, wow. <laughs> is you have a you have a badass female character who is only here. To establish the the sexual prowess and dominance of your male hero, and yeah. once he once he conquers this badass woman with the power of his dong, and she's, he's the only one who can. He's remember. the only one who can, mm-hmm. because that's all the 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 badass potentially evil henchman ladies need is a good deep dicking. That's right. That's right. <laughs> she was just waiting for the right man to come along and. Deep dicker in the right way. It's it's the it's it's the chasing Amy version of it's uh, the chasing Amy. Yep, it's the badass, and the more badass she is, doesn't matter because what that actually means is the more badass he is because he's able to, you know, get conquer in her, her badassness with his with his dongus. That's right. <laughs> that's that's pretty. That's succinct. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, what about the sub trope that's part of this trope? Oh, the, the, I, I used to be a lesbian thing. No, it's called, oops, I'm not gay after all. But yes, <laughs> it has to do with that same thing of, right. 
oh, she was just waiting for the the right man the to right come man. along, or the, you know, the only man that could possibly because the right you know, superhero man, whether it's James Bond or whatever, all these, it's it's almost it's like yeah, it's the magic penis, the magic penis, <laughs> yeah, the magic penis, and that's we always want some kind of weird subtitle, right? Right. I think the magic penis. The magic penis. My vagina is only here for your magic penis. Yeah. <laughs> what, it's, we've gone from douche canoes to magic penises. It's, it's, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's the basic idea is that there, like any kind of sexual autonomy, any kind of sexual uh-huh. equal, equality, any desires or prowess or promiscuity or anything like that that the female character possesses doesn't right. actually matter. It means nothing. It's all about the male hero's sexual prowess and the more the stronger the more interesting the more intelligent the more badass the female is the that's the more cool and strong and all right. that stuff the male is for being able to dominate her and he's right. the only one who can the more- which is the oops i'm not gay after all which is where that comes in which is like oh i've been saying that i'm gay this entire story but oh right. no now that you're here <laughs> i was <laughs> yeah. just kidding I am yep. Sherlock instead. Well, it's it's the, it's the basic assumption that yes, you know, for in in all things, uh, a woman can be equal to a man, except she doesn't have a penis, and once she gets one, it's all over. Right, and so or it's like she can't be. She's not the one to be dominating. She's not the dominant one. She can't be, and that's why the whole the subtrope is so insidious. Is that you know, a lesbian in this kind of a story scenario has mm-hmm. no has no use for a male. She's not going to be dominated by him sexually. So, you know, and so that's not allowed. So in these stories, what happens is she switches at the very end. And I use Pussy Galore and Goldfinger as my main example. But then I'm like, well, of course, that's an old that's from a book that was written in the 50s right. and a movie that was made in the what, 660? Yeah. I haven't IMDb it. So I'm like, okay, well, then there was that um, scandal in Belgravia episode of the BBC Sherlock series that did exactly that thing. Oh, right, right, yeah. That was, what, 2014? Uh-huh. That wasn't too long ago. Yeah, it's... It, there's this... Of course, you can complain about Stephen Moffat all you like, when lots of people do, but that's the whole <laughs> thing. I mean, she even says it, She it, like Goldfinger... Pussy Galore in the book does say it outright that she is a lesbian, that right. she chose lesbianism in order to protect herself from men, and that she was literally just waiting for the right man to come along, which is right. horrible. But, but that, also, that also operates on that false assumption that somehow homosexuality is a choice. Right. Or that, right. Or that, or that you know, hey, all, all you need is the right man. And there's that whole thing about, oh, so you're a lesbian, so you're saying no to me. Well, that's just because I haven't pursued you hard enough. That's that's just because, you know, if you're a real man, then you're going to pursue her and pursue her and pursue her and pursue her until the no turns into a yes. A a male hero character in this case doesn't take no for an answer. And you look at any, this is not the female badass type um, trope, but you'll see this trope in a non-badass kind of way in rom-coms all the time. Oh yeah, Chasing Amy is the the Mm -hmm. total rom-com version of this. It's the, she says no until she says yes. And you keep trying and you keep pursuing her. And it's the stalking is romance prescription of, you know, 
she's only saying no because she's supposed to. Right. It's the baby, right. it's cold outside syndrome. Oh, I'm a good girl, so I'm not supposed to tell you that I want sex. Right. I'm not supposed to be good at sex. I'm not supposed to have had it before. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, so no, I, I, I really can't, I really can't stay. That's the that whole right. thing. <laughs> it's like good girls never say they want it, even if they do. Right. And they're not supposed to want it. So you as a male are supposed to pursue the coy female, because if she says no, she really doesn't mean it. She's just playing hard to get. And the right. harder she is to get, the more triumphant the male will be when he gets her. Right in the end. And bisexuality doesn't seem to exist in this trope. The possibility that there could... I kind of talk about that a little bit in the article, actually. Um, I talk about it when I talk about the subtrope, the oops, uh -huh. I'm not gay after all. It's kind of a, not really a sub-subtrope, but it's kind of a branch of that, which is the, I'm bi, but of course you're the one for me. And yes, you're allowed to, to watch me kiss a girl because that's your reward for being so persistent. Right. So, I mean, you see that in dodgeball, you see that in comedies in particular, but so there is but that. Is, is, but the is, bisexuality in that case just turns into a, right. oh, this is just a really cool titillating thing that's sexy for you as a male to watch. Right. It's not anything that has to do with a female's sexual autonomy, sexual desires. But it seems She's subservient to, that, to the male. It seems to me, though, that, that when you do get into that, you know, I'm bi, but you're the guy for me and you get mm -hmm. to watch me kiss the girl as a reward. That does seem to me, you know, and that's, that's buried down in there. That's way down there. That seems to me the kind of the least, um, bad of the, of the versions and that it doesn't, it does not necessarily deny her sexuality. Well, sure it does. It means that her sexuality is all about his desires and nothing to do with hers. Maybe. I mean, I guess it would the, depend. I guess it would depend on on the on the context of the show or the or the story. Right. You know, because you know that's the thing is that's that's something that I've heard about on on the Savage Lovecast with you know is is you have sometimes that that. Even in the even in the gay community, when when a bisexual person settles on a on a opposite sex life partner, they get kind of shunned by their their solidly gay people. Oh, you really weren't that anyway. That happens both directions with bi people. Yeah. It's like you just just make a decision. <laughs> that, like, that, right. It's no. like if, <laughs> if you're if you're bi, then you can never make a decision because if you do, you're going to be ostracized by somebody. Or it's like, you know, if you're bi and you make a, a heterosexual monogamous choice, then that means you're always going to be cheating on that person. Right. Or if you make a same sex choice, a homosexual choice, then the same same. You're thing always going to be true. cheating on someone. Yeah. Or. And you know, there's no, which speaking as a, as a person who's a nerd and not very socially adept and a bi, I will tell you that it doesn't mean that you get to fuck twice the number of people. It means you get rejected by twice the number of people. <laughs> it really isn't any easier yeah, yeah. to get laid. Just, well, you know, that's, you. that's when you got to probably think about, you know, investing, investing the time and the energy and the emotional space into, you know, something like having an open relationship or being poly. Right? I tried that. That did suck. Yeah. Too. 
Yeah, a lot of that depends. That also depends on the dynamic. I have some friends who yeah, are yeah. open and poly, and they work at it, and it works for them. Yeah, you know? me too. Me too. And it's, it always it's just more, depends on it's the mostly people. Talk. <laughs> right, you got to spend lots a lot of time flapping of your gums, and that's why it's really not my thing. <laughs> I figure I figure I could be in an open relationship where, you know, the woman was allowed to do whatever. But me, it'd be like, eh, eh. <laughs> OK, oh, right. I'm great. It's great in theory that I would, you know, oh, look, there's someone I can go do that. But I probably never would because it's like it's probably it's it's the same problem I'm having with with the idea of a relationship right now. It's like, you know, I'm talking to the shrink about it. Here, I'm One telling I'm telling this hard enough. I'm telling this I'm telling this on the podcast where everybody can hear it, but I'm talking to this to you know a shrink about this stuff. And it's like, you know, do I even want to bother getting to into a relationship right now? Because oh my fucking god, every time I think about getting into a relationship, it's it's like <gasps> not that again. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> do I have yeah. to tell yeah. that story about do I have to explain this again? And a multiple person relationship is that much more. It's exponentially more work. Right. I will say just this is just my own experience. So listeners, please don't at me. But um, <laughs> I don't think anybody listens, been, but that's no okay. one's going to at me. But <laughs> having been poly for about five years, I just it's it, it works on paper. It's a nice idea on in theory. Right. Right. But in, in practice, it is so, so exhausting. And I just, I was being constantly hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just, even with the ones that were air quotes going, okay, it's just not, yeah. Monogamy is just, well, dare I say easier? No, I mean, I'm in a monogamous it's not relationship. Really, it's not really human, easier. But, it's a different kind of hard, right? Okay. We're, we're often in the weeds now about well, being poly. Right, right. right. It doesn't really you know, to me, to, to me, to me, all relationships are hard. And, you know, I would be doing okay to manage one and then to have to manage more than one. It, it's exponentially more difficult is what it is. I will well, tell you for that. Me, having done it. Some, for me, it would that be. I know. It I know, was for me too. <laughs> I, and I think that has a lot to do with our personality, but true um that's as opposed to you know the uh, the open mind yeah because to the open-mindedness of the thing but anyway you know that's i don't know just that was to to wrap that back to the whole thing is that you know my interesting tangent my my thing was basically you know when you get down into that weeds into the into the into the sub sub trope Mm -hmm. right that one's the uh um the least problematic of the problematic ones. I don't know. I think it's the same. It's the same idea. This, the, which the idea is that the sexual autonomy of the female doesn't Matt doesn't exist. It's all about the male's desire. Right. But like I said, which I think, all of them are, I think, I think more than the other two, the, the higher versions of the trope, that one's can, that one, you have to really work hard to make that one seriously problematic. I mean, you have to have, you have to be a really kind of a sexist twat to make that one problematic. Cause I think context in that one is, is context the way it's, the way the story is told will, will have, will make that, that, that sub sub trope a little bit more gray than the other two. 
No, because it's the it's the being with the woman is a reward for the man's persistence and the man's desire. Well, it, again, yeah. has nothing to do with the female. I mean, just look at the look at the story arc in Dodgeball. So you have the running joke that she, the the main the main um, female love interest, she's a badass in, the, right. in that particular movie. Right. That she's a lesbian. That's a continued joke. They make all kinds of dyke jokes and lesbian jokes and like you know demeaning jokes, meaning that the uh-huh. the lead male, the hero, can't have her because she's a lesbian. He he keeps saying she's not a lesbian. She's not a lesbian. Right. So it's this whole running joke, right, throughout the entire movie. Then at the end. We think that they have a romantic connection. We're not sure. He's the male hero is convinced that he now is going to get the girl. At the end, when they're all triumphant and heroic, uh-huh. she sees a woman in the audience and goes, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're here!" And they have this big, deep kiss. Mm-hmm. So then all the men in the, especially the hero in the movie, go, "Oh man!" He's like, "Oh, you're right. She is a lesbian. Damn it." And she goes, I'm not a lesbian. And she turns to him and she goes, I'm bisexual. And then she deep kisses him. Right. So what that does is it completely negates whatever that relationship was that she had with that woman. Right. It makes that kiss all Uh. about the gaze of the men that were watching. And she still chooses the man. She doesn't choose the woman. Does she, though? Yes. Yes, she ends up with the male hero. Right. The woman that comes back, she's like, oh, my God, I thought you were in Guam. And they have this right. deep kiss only so that the men can watch them do that. And then it's it's actually like almost an, a cap on that running joke where at the end it's like, oh, she's even hotter now that we <laughs> know that she's bi. <laughs> but it's all about the man's desire. It has nothing to do with what she wants. It has nothing to do with her sexuality it has to do with the man's desire for her does that make sense do you see what i'm saying well i i do understand what you're saying but i'm i'm thinking that like i said a lot of it's going to depend upon the the, the story context and i don't i'm i'm hesitant to call the the dodgeball one exactly on on par with that trope also the you know part of what i what i find a little a little hard to kind of well not hard to a little disturbing maybe that's not the right word um just describe what you're feeling well okay now on the on the topic of persistence mm-hmm. this this is one where i think really it, it's it comes down to degree if that makes okay. sense Right. Um, so there, there is the uh, persistence that borders on obsession, on stalking, on aggression. Yeah. The character in the notebook that's like threatening to kill right. himself. He's like climbing up on the Ferris wheel. Right. Right. And there's and there's the Hollywood shorthand of that kind of persistence, which you mentioned uh-huh. in the in the article about the, you know, kiss her till she likes it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. And then because there there is an an honest and a romantic degree of persistence that is acceptable. Right? And and there's also the other thing too, which is another problem, which is a branch of this, which is that a lot of times with these movies, especially with our rom coms uh-huh. that we're talking about, 
we as the audience see more about the woman, the female character and what she's going through right. than the male character does. Like, for, let's just take Say Anything, for example. Okay. I was watching a video about this um, j- just the other night. Um, now, we know that she is being pressured by her, the main love interest. She's being pressured by her father to not go out with this guy. Right. But she wants to, though. Right. Now, we know this, but that male character doesn't know that. Right. And so that end part where he has the the ghetto blaster above his head, uh-huh. and uh-huh. it's in your eyes, and it's so, like, romantic, it's actually kind of... This is this is where we get into a problem because then young men are going to go, oh, that's romantic, right? Because they, as an audience member, see that the girl actually does want him, right? Whereas that character has no idea. The character is just being fucking creepy. The character has no idea. The, all the character knows, <laughs> right? All the character well, you knows see, is that's, that she's, that's, said, she's told him no. That's the she's th- told him in no uncertain terms, never speak to me again, right? And if he's like, no, she didn't mean that. And then she does that. He does that shit. And he plays her the song that they had sex to for the first time. That's fucking creepy. Now, it's not as creepy to us because we as an audience know what she's thinking, too. But that character doesn't know that. And so that's where we get into all this, like, when when young people try to emulate this. Right. Right. Women try to be like, oh, I have to play hard to get or he's not going to be interested in me. Boys try to be like, oh, I need to just keep asking when she says no, because that's, you know, that's what you do. Right. Right. And so it's all these wrong fucking messages. Right. It's but like such wrong messages. This, this, this is where we get the incels. Right. Oh, that, absolutely. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, you know, the guys that and well, you also you also get the incels from this this mis uh understanding of of um the friend zone and it's like oh yeah right and it's it's feeling of being entitled right and well the thing is that what i my when i first wisened up to the whole thing because i remember being young and stupid and thinking oh my god i've been put in the friend zone how horrible and then somewhere in my in my maturity, I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There, this idea, and this is a this is a uniquely entitled male idea, that every woman is potentially available to us, and so therefore, in the that you are entitled that to you're every entitled woman. to every woman. So mm-hmm. basically, what the incels operate from is a base that they believe that everybody exists in a fuck zone, and then you get ejected from the fuck zone. You, yeah, exactly. Right? And then that's and, their fault, not yours. And but they blame the women for ejecting yes. them from the fuck zone. Well, exactly. and, and the truth of the matter is, is that we're all in the friend zone. That's where you start. That's the base of operations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That is the world. Yeah. The world is the fucking friend zone and you get plucked out of it into well, not the, the friend, not not the fucking friend. That's a whole different well, thing. That's, that's, that's what we're talking that's, about. That's, that's, that's a different move. <laughs> but the, but the thing is that you get you get plucked out of the friend zone to enter into the fuck zone. Right. And you do right. that by not being a creepy, obsessive, abusive, you know, entitled douche nozzle. 
That's how you Yay, get out of the. Canoes. That's how you get We're plucked. Right. That's how you get plucked out of the friend zone into the fuck zone is by being a decent fucking human being. Well, and honoring <laughs> the other human, right, as a human being, which a, exactly. a lot of, especially the incel guys, can't do for women. They they are not raised to think no, of they're, women they're, as they're, other human they're beings entitled. as equals. They think they are the epitome of the world of of, of well, humanity, and so therefore everything is there to serve them. And women are not equal people. They're not humans. They're vessels for their right. semen. That's literally how a lot yes. of these guys are being raised. Exactly. They are they are there for 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 uh, male They're pleasure and, and fantasy fulfillment. And they're only there for their vagina. Right. Only, <gasps> I think around. I think I would actually phrase the trope as I'm only here because of my vagina. Oh, that's kind of what it means, but right. that word choice is more clear. Yeah. Right. Because because you could read that line, I'm only here for my vagina, as coming from the woman. Right. Right. And saying, I'm here for this. Take care of this. Ta-da! And that's not what's going on. It's. I'm only here because of my vagina. Only, yeah, no, that makes I'm sense. I'm only here because I have a vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Or because of sex. Right. In particular. So I would change yeah, that. No, to you're right. Because. The word because. Yeah. No, that's clearer. Yeah. Thank you. Yay, writers. Yay, Woo-hoo. writers and editors. <laughs> right. And that's, but, but then that brings me back. And that's the thing that I think, I think that's why, and I think that's at the heart of, of my caginess around that sub sub trope. Because particularly when, when you mentioned the dodgeball thing is that he is, he's persistent. Who is, who, who's the main character in that? Vince Vaughn? Is that who that is? Or? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Peter LaFleur. Yep. He's persistent but he's not creepy persistent because the creepy persistent is um um oh oh the bad guy white goodman yeah which is great because they are actually married and had a two-year-old child at the time which is so great to watch them interact right (laughs) so he's actually the creepily (laughs) persistent one and vaughn's character is not because well, he's I mean, he's willing to if he's willing to accept the fact. I mean, he's he's he's. I mean, throughout most of these, like, oh no, she's not gay. She's not gay. She's not gay. She kisses the woman. He goes, oh, I guess she must be gay, and he's ready to just give up on it. So it's not he's not as entitled as you might think he seems to be. At least from my reading of it, you know, he's persistent because he likes her. Once he once she does, when she kisses the girl, he's like, oh, I guess she is gay. Well, shit. Well, shit. Wah wah. And then she kisses him and it's like, oh, and he, oh, right. You know, so I see, I see where your argument goes with it, but also it's kind of, for me, it's that it's trying to navigate that line between to find that, that acceptably persistent Mm -hmm. versus creepily persistent. Where's that border land? Yeah, and because, where, and how how does it? Because we you know we as women still are being taught to say no when we don't mean it. So like, how do you even navigate that, especially with the Me Too thing? Like, how how do you as a man then even know how to flirt? Right, and I think maybe this is kind of, and also there's a certain amount of that whole persistent thing has a certain amount of personal angle for me, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm the kind of guy who can't take yes for an answer. 
<laughs> and right? this is why you're in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, because, you know, that's the thing. The, the creepy, persistent guy has been told, well, no means yes. Right. You just have to mm-hmm. keep pushing. But you were you grew up amongst women. And yeah, I grew up amongst women and no means no. And yes means no. Right. Because or because yes, yes might mean no because I'm too scared or whatever. Or yes. 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 yes might, might mean, mean maybe might actually mean no because she feels compelled to say yes, but she wants to say no. So. Right. Right. Don't do anything. Yeah. Well, were we were we recording last time when you and I were talking about how we came out of age amongst the opposite gender? We may have. I don't know. It's, uh, were we still it's hard recording? to tell. Usually we get. Anyway, it's kind of fascinating. Usually we we're get about, about to that hour mark and I wrap it up and then we talk for another two hours. <laughs> so it's like. Because that's anyway, well, sometimes. So the, that's I mean, little, that's why. Because we we're talking about last last time about how I came of age amongst men. Like I went through mm-hmm. all the male coming of age like things. And then you were like, I did the exact opposite. I came of age among women. Right. Or and other, so this is why or other, or other guys in yes. theater. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, my, my point is that's why you are saying you can't take yes for an answer because you grew up that way. You like, you are so used oh, yeah. to women being human beings, being your equals. And you are and all, I hear is, to all of the complicated shit that goes within what means yes and no and all that stuff. And all I other and all I ever hear is horror stories about guys, how horrible yeah. guys are. And I'm not and I I don't you know, that's been the whole thing since I was a kid. Am I the horrible monster that women say men are? Or that's am I a constant not? question, right? I don't feel like a monster, but I have a penis and I'm a guy and all guys are monsters. And you're heterosexual. And if oh all God, guys, and you're white. if oh. all guys are monsters, and I'm a guy, then I must be a monster. But I don't feel like a monster. But I have to be a monster because I'm a guy. You're you're not only a guy. You're a white heterosexual, straight white cis, male. I am the devil. I am the devil. But you're not. Well, but you're now now you're fucking like neurotic though because of it right because it's so complicated what do you do what do you even do like how do you even begin it is and it isn't complicated right you know because the thing is though is that this is the this is the thing that that minorities in particular have to learn to do in which white men are uniquely unpracticed in doing and that is separating society's claims about generalized claims about people who look like you Ah, versus uh-huh. your actual self I and, see. and being able to draw that line to have what to have a, a what basically amounts to a dual consciousness right mm-hmm. to to be aware of the of the broad generalizations that society has about you and prejudices yet, and stereotypes prejudices stereotypes all the bad stuff all the stuff that's mm-hmm. not you and being able to put that in one compartment anytime somebody says something and still manage to be and then at the same time still manage to be a functioning somewhat sane human being you know and and this is something that especially the african american community is well practiced at in this culture and there's a lot of rage involved. Exactly. But that and it also goes wrong sometimes. And it's absolutely astounding to me that, 
you know, that they can live that way. And it's, it's unfair. Yeah, it is. It is a total injustice. And I, and, and, and white men are starting to get just a tiny, tiny fraction of a taste of what it's like to live that life. And they're going fucking bonkers ape shit. Oh, they're going ape shit. They're, they're fucking shooting right. things up. Because they can't deal with that. And that's. <laughs> yeah. Like, welcome to how it is welcome to live to how, in a fucking stereotypical Welcome to how the world. rest of the fucking world lives, you fucking douchebag. Right. Douche canoes. We're back to the douche canoes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. so that's, and I, and I understand on, on some levels, well, let me see if I can rephrase that. I understand, particularly when we talk about the primary version of this trope, how insidious that is, because, mm-hmm. you know, you take that, it's that, that, it's that same sense of entitlement that leads to racism that leads to this kind of sexism in this thing. And yeah. mm-hmm. now granted, you know, James Bond is a charming, dashing spy guy and he's coming yes. across you know and of course this is all fantasy and and character developments a little on the light side and all oh, of yeah, this totally mm-hmm. and i mean i love james bond too let's not let's not misunderstand right. my my writings of these shows and too. you know and the thing is that there is it's been established from day one it's been established by the actors and by ian fleming's books and by the screenplays that James Bond has a certain magnetism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, he's dealing in a world that is beyond the ordinary to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what I call technology magic when I talk about fantasy and sci-fi in my writing classes. Right. Now, if, if Bond, even I think even in that world of, of, the, of the Bond universe, if Bond were to try to put his moves on someone who was not connected to tied to or related to the mystery that was going on or the, or the, the bad guys. Let's say if it was a secretary other than money penny, if he tried to, if he pulled any of the moves that he pulls on money penny with another secretary in the same building, he would get slapped down quick. Oh no, that's Holly. Good night. That happens with her, you know, and he does it with everybody. Yeah. He does it with everybody. And I th- it's Holly, Holly Goodnight. She's another one. Yeah. And he never gets with Money Penny. No, he never does. She knows how to play the game better than he does, I think. <laughs> and you'd, you'd also think about the, time, the two times where he ends up with a woman who is, who is his equal as far as smarts, as far as savviness, as far as being sexually autonomous, as far as being hot, smoking hot. Right. Aside from the two times, the two there's t- twice when it happens, as far as I can tell. Which two times? Vesper, okay, in Casino Royale. Oh, in the, in and, the Daniel Craig versions. Well, in the book too. Right, right. And um, I forget. Oh, I'm such a bad Bond fan. What the hell is her name? He actually ends up marrying her at, in um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, Tracy, I was just I was just Tracy, watching yeah, this. Thank you. Um, tonight, mm-hmm. actually, I was watching the well last night and tonight trying to watch it. I fell asleep so last in, night. So in this kind of of thing, where she, she's still a Bond girl, she's still only there for her vagina, only there because of her vagina. Because <laughs> of her vagina. That's much clearer. Yeah, thank you. 
what happens after the sex finally happens because because she's so strong and she is so sexually autonomous and she is so hot and she is so all that right. stuff the bond is once they finally bone what happens to her well the bad guys kill her they die well in, in vesper's case she kills herself she did yep particularly in the book but in the movie she does too I'm trying to remember the movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. And in Honor Matters and Secret Service, she well, in a, she does get killed. She gets shot by the bad guys. Right. But in but Vesper Lynn kills herself. Wh- why? Why did she kill herself? Because she, well, I mean, if we're looking at this trope, it's because she ended up boning Bond, and then her so her her occupation's gone. Yep. She's no longer necessary, so she dies. That's really why. It's kind of a fridging. She dies so that Bond it's can, totally a fridging. Yeah. can uh, have the next motivation to go on and do his thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same thing with the one he actually ends up marrying, which is pretty huge for Bond to get married to one woman. What? The what? Has to be Diana Rigg, of course. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> right? God, who else would it be? <laughs> so do you think that's why the, uh, the Living Daylights failed? Because because the, the woman, living daylights failed for so very many reasons. <laughs> but this was the one. This was the one where they were aside from uh, from Russia with love. They stuck Bond with one woman throughout the whole thing. Um, I don't know about that because it seems like the Bond girl always goes away before the next movie. Well, like he never yes. has a relationship that goes to the next movie. True. I mean, so that's, I mean, to me, that's just kind well, of the same if, pattern. Well, that's just it. You know, if, if you're a spy and you run into the same person in the next story, your cover's blown. Yeah. Right. Well, even though your name is still fucking James Bond, so who cares? But yeah, but they have ways of they have ways of uh, they have ways of dealing with that. <laughs> But that, I mean, that's just the pattern of the Bond girl, which is why the Bond girl is is this sort of trope, which is it's just literally it's not even like <laughs> you're not even trying to make it anything else in, in the Bond yep. film, which is why I bring up the two that are that might be exceptions just because they seem right. to be more important to him. But they really aren't because they die. Yeah. But just about if there's every... any chance that she could last beyond the the initial boning. She right. won't. Just about every Bond girl then is there because of her vagina. Oh, absolutely. Everyone. Every single one. Yep. Everyone. From the from the very minor ones that he just ends up fucking in the very beginning of the movie to the major ones that actually have like a relationship with him. Yeah. They're all that. Grace Jones was only there because of her vagina. I know. Can you believe that? I know. Let's see who but else. It's true. And think about how badass and weird and strong and, you know, Grace Jones with her androgynous kind of like yeah. gender fluid <laughs> fucking pre-gender fluid gender fluidity. I mean, God, what a strong badass. And then by the time she bones Bond, she is nothing. Like she disappears. Well, of course she, she ends up dying. She ends up, I mean, she, but she ends up dying to save Bond. Right. Of course. Because the dick was so good. Do you think good. she would do that if she were the <laughs> the climbing the Eiffel Tower, jumping off with her flying squirrel shit on, 
that person would not have <laughs> sacrificed herself for Bond. It's just because she got the dick. She, she got, got the Bond She got the dick. Bond dick. So, same thing with um, Pussy Galore. Pussy Galore had one had nothing the fuck to do with that asshole. And then until judo, uh, the until roll the, in the hay the turned judo, into a roll uh, in the hay. The judo in the barn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's just like, okay, all of my so how pilots then, are at your at your behest. How then do you thwart this trope? If you have if you have a a male character, a male hero, who who meets his his proverbial match. Hmm. You know, because that's the thing about, you know, the Grace Jones character and Pussy Galore. Vesper. And Vesper and Jinx, Hannah, Halle Berry's. Jinx, yep. You know, mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. The Lucy Liu. I'm uh, not Lucy Liu. I'm um, sorry. Michelle Yeoh. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, I was, I was thinking Lucy Liu and um, Johnny Lee Miller in Elementary. Uh-huh. So you but to do that. let's not forget Michelle Yeoh from, um, what was it? It was one of the Pierce Brosnan Oh, we're still talking Bond girls. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. right. But I'm th- so you're asking what what are the solutions to right. this? So because I'm thinking be- the one the one because there, there you would think solutions. that Michelle Yeoh would be actually um, a way to solve the I'm only here for my only here because of my vagina trope because she doesn't die in the end. She is Bond's equal throughout the whole movie. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, but she goes away. She's not she's not his equal because she's not she's only there because of her vagina for that movie. And then she's not his equal anymore. He has nothing right. to do with her ever but again. She's a, yeah, but she's a communist spy and he's a Western spy. They would, why would they come up against each other again? If, unless there was a, another, why are they bone to begin with? Well, because they're both spies, they might die tomorrow and they're, they're highly okay, trained so. and, and physically so fit is, and they're both fucking beautiful. I mean, why wouldn't they? Hot, right? right. So that's, this is, so you're asking <laughs> what to do instead. So here is, here's two solutions. Why is, yeah. Why is Michelle Yeoh so not, not, a, I have two solutions. Okay. One is that they don't bone. They're what? equals. That just takes all the fun out of it. Well, look, I mean, look, that's why I brought up. Um, <laughs> okay. That's why, I, that's why I brought up Lucy Liu and Johnny Lee Miller in El, the show Elementary, uh-huh. which is the modern Sherlock in New York. Right. They are absolute best friends. They're business partners. They're equals. They don't bone. They love each other deeply. They're partners in all ways except for the boning part. Right. And they are portrayed as equals and they're, you know, they, they improve each other. They, they grow together as characters. So that, that's one way. Right. To, why do you have to have it be a fucking romantic connection? Why does it have to be that way? Why? You know very well that you have very intense, gorgeous, loving relationships with women that you don't need to necessarily bone. I know that's really hard to think about right now. No, I don't find that hard to think about at all. In fact, you know, so that's, but, mm. that's one way, you know, is to not have them bone. They're not that kind of relationship. They right. are equals. They love each other. They're, you know, intimately connected, but right. they're not boning. So it's not about, it's not because of her vagina. It's because of them as people, it's them as characters, right. them as rich, rich, you know, partners. So there's that way. The other way is to actually have them be fucking partners. Yes, they're boning, but that's only one of the things that they right. do, and they are equals, and they are, or, or you know, whatever 
kind of partners they are, whether they're married or whether they're right. business partners, whether they, you know, see each other. If they're both spies, maybe they see each other every so often whenever they can schedule it or right. whatever kind of relationship they have. Make them actual partners. Don't make her disappear just because her vagina opens to him once and that's it. Make them actual equals. Don't kill her at the end. Right. Don't forget she existed in the next movie. Right. So those are the two ways I would say. Either don't have the vagina be a part of it, or if it is, then have it be an actual partnership. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be like a marriage. Like maybe if it is this kind of like, okay, so they're both super spies. So they can't be married. They can't live together. They can't, you know, right. they're both because, doing all kinds because of shit all the time. Then it's, just, then it's just that Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie that broke up their marriage. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like that, I mean, that can be fun, but not, you know. What was that, but Mr. Like, and so Mrs. That, okay. Smith? Was that what that yeah, was? Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I haven't seen it, actually. I'd like to. Oh, you haven't? No. It's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, I'll put that on the list. But you know what I mean? Like actually make her a partner. Right. Or even the very (laughs) minimum. Okay. So those are the two ideal ways. Either A, it's a partnership that has nothing to do with the sex. Right. So they're equals. Or if it is about sex, then have them be equals. Like make her, don't kill her off at the end, either literally or figuratively. Right. So then then the Michelle Yeoh thing would fit because they don't kill her off. No, but she never appears ever again. She's the Bond girl. He fucked her in the movie and she's the Bond girl and that's it. Yeah. Terry Hatcher was in that one too. She got killed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Even if it's something like at the very bare minimum, oh, hey, how's it going? Can you get me this information? Nice to, nice to hear from you again. You know, like don't just like disregard her the moment she opens her vagina to the dicking. Like she's, she can... So like she could have, when, when, what was it? It was the last Brosnan one where he, they had something to do in Korea. They could have had her like helping him with some. Yeah. Just be like, oh, hey, here's some information. But but within the context, within the micro context, within the isolated context of. To have her. The world is not enough. That's what it was. The world is not enough. In the isolated context of, of the world is not enough you still have the problem. I mean, how can you, how can you avoid the trope within the co- within the confines of a single movie and still have these two characters who, who do not have the capacity for a, an extended relationship to have, to have her continue to be a human being after having boned the hero. Right. But she does to not have her be subservient. Well, then maybe she's a good ex- example. I don't remember her as clearly because they they uh, they uh, they get down twice at least I think. Yeah, to make that to make that okay would be to either have her be a partner of some kind, or if that's not possible, then to at least continue to have her be a human being, right? And to not have her be subservient in all power to him the moment they bone, because what often happens, even if those movies are you know okay about like keeping her alive and shit. Uh-huh. It's still she, her power ends up going away the moment she bones the hero. She suddenly doesn't have the autonomy. She doesn't have the ins. She doesn't right. have the information. She doesn't have the power anymore. Mm-hmm. She's she ends up being like a like kind of a sidekick to the hero after right. she fucks him. Right. So just to have her continue to be the person she was before she fucked the hero. Does that make? Am yep. I making being clear about that? Yep. 
then I, that then would be I, the way to, think, to make it better. Then I think in that case, um, the world is not enough avoids the trope. Okay. Does she doesn't like she doesn't lose all of her power. She doesn't become a, a minion of bombs after fucking him. Mm-mm. Okay. No, they they gotta I they gotta take down they gotta take down a Jonathan Price's whole you know media empire. I do remember that. I just don't remember her so well. And, I remember and, the motorcycle chase. Scene, yeah, which is fantastic. And then, and then they then they <laughs> then they they fight separately. You know, to take down the boat. And yep. And then of course the classic thing, you know, where where they're trying to pick up Bond after the whole thing, and he's got the girl there at, with at the end. Yeah, she's pretty much there from the time they team up you know, on the, the motorcycle ride until the end when mm-hmm. they're, you know, you know, Commander Bond, Commander, and he's like, you know, and they, and they bone on the wreckage of the, of the boat they blew up, right? <laughs> and at that point, they're, they've, they've finished their mission. Neither one of them has the, uh, the need to be a badass anymore and then, you know, fade to black and the movie's over. Right, right, okay. Just, okay, good. Well, then there you go. Because the other the other Bond girls, I'm just thinking Bond girls in particular, even if they happen to be strong, oh, smart. Yeah, no, whatever, I mean, I mean, they lose it all. After to they to fuck spin Bond. it a different way, you know, if you fuck Bond early in the movie, well, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, you're dead. It's a and death if you sentence. Fucking, right. And if you fuck him later in the movie, then you lose all your personality and strength yeah. like Pussy Galore. But there are some characters that can there. There have been a couple. I th- I'd have to go back and I watched it like two weeks ago. The world is not enough. I haven't um, seen that one in a long time. And I and I, I'm pretty sure that okay. They, so yeah, so they had, I think that's they had two encounters. Cool. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, there's a so lot. So I of, guess that 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 would be the center of avoiding it was is to keep the the female badass a female badass even after boning the hero. Right. That would be the way to do it, and there's a few ways to do it. There are a lot of Bond movies on Hulu right now, by the way, just in case. Oh, there are. Yeah. Damn it. Do you not have Hulu? I do. <gasps> oh, yeah. Hulu. It's got <laughs> a, a lot of Bond movies on Hulu right now. They have Dr. No <laughs> on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Moonraker, oh, Thunderball. Thunderball is <gasps> one of my f- Thunderball oh, is one of my favorites and it's on it's on Hulu right now, so. Thunderball's a great one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just watched Casino Royale the other day. Mm, yeah. And Daniel of course Craig. they had they had um you know, the Timothy Dalton ones, they had some of the Pierce Brosnan ones. The world is not enough. I think Goldeneye was on yeah. there. Goldeneye. Uh, classic. <laughs> Yay, racism and sexism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I just watched, uh, I recently watched, <laughs> um, it was the second Timothy Dalton Bond movie where the where the, the drug kingpin kills uh, his, Felix, the CIA agent, kills oh, Felix's yeah. brand new wife and feeds Felix to the shark and he loses a leg and Bond, you know, resigns from the secret service and goes after, and it has a very young Benicio del Toro in it. It's, oh, that's right. Oh yeah. God. I mean, young looking. I mean, Ugh. he looks so fucking young. It's like, really? Really? And the only way you can tell it's him, he's so young and he's so smooth faced and pretty. Oh my Jeez. goodness. The only way you can tell it's him is there's this little inflection to his voice. You're like going, Benicio? Really? <laughs> Usual suspect. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So yeah, I was watching that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that has been a oh, while. But the Bond movies are are a treasure trove of these kind of sexist tropes, and yet somehow they they don't really seem 
They do. Do they? Are they really as offensive as they would? Oh, they so are. But, but the thing is, is that we love them anyway, right? Right. So why is that? Why is <laughs> I don't that? Know. Why I is know. it? Why is it that so many of these tropes <sighs> we can identify? This is something to kind of wrap up the whole series well, here. And, okay, that, and this is this is a good point because. This is true for all seven of the tropes. A lot of these movies are movies I picked because I love them. Right. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> we all love these movies. And that's actually why we should be calling all of them out. And we don't have to stop loving them. But we should at least be clear about what we are being fed and at least understand that. Right. So how is it? How is it? What is it? Because obviously there are movies out there that have used and will continue to use these tropes and these movies will fail. They will be Mm -hmm. seen as trash and as garbage. They won't succeed. They won't enter the cultural lexicon. They won't be things that are considered classics. They won't be things that we Mm -hmm. watch again and again because because we get something from them each time we watch. So what is it? What is this thing about these particular movies and these particular tropes? Where, what is the X factor that keeps these movies still relevant despite these insidious tropes? I'll tell you. It's that one particular word that I use for all of them. That one particular word, badass. Which is why I started writing these articles to begin with. Because you'll have tropes of all kinds. Like I said, the sort of non-badass versions. You have damsels in distress. You'll have Mary Sue. You'll have fridging. You'll have all kinds of stuff that, like you said, are very obvious and won't last and will seem dated later and aren't relevant and people won't love. But the reason people still love all of these is because of that one particular quality, which is the badass. We see this badass character like, damn, that's awesome. Oh, my God. Padme is a fucking awesome badass. Holy shit. Imperator Furiosa is incredible. Oh, my God. Even Marion Ravenwood is such a fucking badass. That's why we love the badasses. We love them. And sometimes we swallow the badass without realizing what's going on underneath it. We don't realize because it's such a badass type character, we don't notice that the skeleton underneath the badass is actually built on misogyny. I mean, Ripley's a fucking badass. I'm sorry. I love the at least the early Alien movies. I didn't I kind of lost interest once it started to get crazy and clony and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, <laughs> Yeah. I'm not saying by calling all these tropes out that I hate these characters. I mean, you didn't okay, like maybe... the alien movie with Winona Ryder in it. No, I really didn't. I don't know. I love Winona Ryder. God bless the original goth, but I don't know. She's my age. I know. That's crazy. We're we're getting old, dude. Anyway, that's my answer. Is that that's why? It's because it's this this rapper of strength it's this badass right. quality that's why we love them well that's, that's why we love james bond movies it's because these movies are badass these characters are badass right but is there also something else you know layered on top of around of surrounding these tropes that says something else to us it's the badass thing yes well, i mean besides that that that's i mean there are movies 
that can have ostensibly that can use these tropes that have ostensibly badass characters and yet there's still something about these movies that does not merit rewatching what what can you come up with an example well <laughs> um well, no, because I haven't rewatched these damn movies, but I know they're out there because I, I know there I know I've seen a ton of 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 movies that that attempt to um, employ badass characters. I mean, I would say that that's kind of that's kind of the core of it. And some movies are better than others and some books are better right. than others. Some movies and some books are better than others, even though they use these tropes. There's something else going on. There's there's a there's a there's a thing that is well i mean just look at look at maybe the it's just a matter of like you said degrees like right. look at my first article the marion effect uh-huh. i come up with i have two examples of that right one is from a really horrible movie which i still love but it's terrible the other is from a great movie that's right. just fucking great but that's both very clear examples of the trope okay so what makes in your so, opinion, what makes um, Indiana Jones a great movie and what makes Robin Hood not a great movie? Well, despite as as the tropes, the, despite the tropes, other. Well, I mean, I, that's what you're asking, though, is as far as the tropes go, why why do people still like watching those movies? No, why do people still like it's watching these movies that, despite the tropes? It's because the trope is closer to being OK. Like Ripley is almost not pro- problematic. Mm-hmm. Katniss Everdeen is that close to not being problematic. She's right. actually arguably maybe not, depending on what you think of as far as her context mm-hmm. goes. Right. And so I would say that the better the better books and movies are the ones that are closer to the actual empower empowering characters. Mm-hmm. They're closer to the actual badass character being an equal not having the skeleton of misogyny, not having the systematic sexism in there. All of them do to a certain extent because that's what our society is like. Right. But the ones that are the better ones, the ones that we tend to love more, uh-huh. the more the more popular ones too, which is actually kind of interesting, are the ones where it's closer to okay. Right. Now, as far as why all of us adore James Bond, even the old horrible right, ones. Because James no Bond is nowhere no close to being okay. No, he, I think Bond is a different thing because like, I don't, I don't know what that fucking is. I really don't. <laughs> and, I, and some Bond movies are better you, than other works, Bond movies. Yes. It's true. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a reason, there's a reason that, you know, we don't, watch on her majesty's secret service the one with george lazenby as often as we yeah. watch all the other ones there's a reason that um, well there's a reason we don't watch the timothy dalton ones either yeah the, why the timothy dalton ones and you know i i say that with a whole lot of regret because i love tim dalton He's and he looks he looks physically a lot more like the book description too than and anyone he's, else. And he's a fantastic <laughs> actor. And when you, I mean, and when you watch him, I mean, there are two movies of his that I, that are in my pantheon of great movies that I love. Now, whether they're actually great movies in the scope, you know, whether or not 
critics like them or is a whole different story. No, great movies that you love. Right. And the first one is, of course, The Lion in Winter. Oh, oh, yeah. And that's a very young Timothy Dalton who is incredibly pretty. Oh, my that's God, right. he's pretty that's in that right. one. Yep. He is just astounding. You know, and of course, that also has. Great play. Um, Lawrence. Um, yeah, Lawrence. No, not it's Lawrence. Olivia, isn't it? Isn't it Olivia? Yeah. And and Catherine Hepburn and. Oh, fuck. I can't remember his name right now. Hannibal Lecter. Who played Hannibal Lecter? Um, 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 oh God, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, yes. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. And, and it's got the guy who later went on to play King Arthur in Excalibur. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember his name. Nigel something, I think. Nigel Terry. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nigel yeah. Terry in it. Anthony Hopkins. It's um, a great play, too. Lawrence Olivier, Catherine Hepburn, and Timothy Dalton. And I can't remember the guy who plays Jeffrey either the middle child but that i that's like my that's my christmas movie everybody <laughs> like oh nice. miracle on 34th street you know it's a wonderful life no fuck you the lion in winter man well, that's my christmas, christmas Carol, movie this is i'm twisted and wrong but then the other timothy dalton movie that i <laughs> and it's not really the timothy dalton movie he just has a major part in it but the other movie that i love with tim dalton in it is of course flash gordon <laughs> and you know some uh, people are like oh that's a terrible movie i go no that is like that is beautiful camp that is i mean it's so bad it's good well it's the thing is Brian with Brian blessed with wings oh Brian my blessed. god isn't it, it fantastic <laughs> well the thing is though is that you know in, <laughs> in that era before comic book movies became a thing you have to remember flash gordon was a cartoon strip and it was a, and then it yes. was a, mm -hmm. it was a, a it was a forties, uh, it was a forties like, matinee, you know, yeah, short movie, short thing. soap opera thing. And the movie, if you sit back and you take a look at the movie within the context of its origins, it rings true to those origins. Well, that's where Star Wars came from or one of the many things, but. Right. Like put Flash Gordon together with Akira Kurosawa and you have Star Wars. <laughs> right. And so and so, yes, I, I mean, in some ways you could probably argue that that Flash Gordon movie is, you know, terrible. Sorry. You know, <laughs> if, if you if you something. try to hold it up to these standards of realism that movies are supposed to be held to in some fashion. What all movies are. I don't know. Sometimes I can't tell what, what the fuck critics are judging their whole thing on. You know, this is why I argue with them all the time. But the thing is, though, is that, you know, to the core of what what Flash Gordon started off as the movie sticks to it. Oh, yeah, sure. It's camp. It's cartoonish. It's comic yeah. booky. It's fantastic. Well, that's why everyone loves the Marvel movie, the Marvel MCU right now. Right. But and and Marvel has a different sensibility than the original Flash Gordon stuff. And if you I don't know, it's pretty fucking campy. Ever watch Thor Ragnarok? It's really campy. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of campy, and it's actually postmodern because it's yep. it's in this you know day and age, which means it's not only campy, but it it's got all kinds of <laughs> nods, right? And, illusions illusions with an a and like all kinds of shit like that it's totally campy i'd say it's postmodern campy as opposed to flash gordon 
Despite what all the critics say, though, Flash Gordon still remains a movie that people love to watch. And they don't love to watch it to go, oh, my God, how awful is that? They love to watch it because... Well, kind of. Well, there is is some cheese to it that kind of makes you want to roll your eyes. But, you know, you still fucking cheer on Flash when he's making the assault on... On There's City. a phrase for that kind of thing for music too, called hot cheese. Yeah, and it's that kind of like horrible fluorescent yellow kind of shit that you put on <laughs> the nacho chips. Right. Do you know what I mean? But the, oh yeah, yeah, sometimes that's really just really the liquid cheese. Delicious. Right, right. right. But anyway, so yeah, Timothy Dalton so was like in my, Flash Gordon. So my Gordon. thing with the with the tropes is that you can pump as much of that nacho cheese onto your shit as you want. That's great. That's actually really good a lot of the time. So what but matters is know, that what matters is the sturdiness your of your chips. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And making sure that you don't end up with a dry layer of chips with nothing on them at the bottom, right. which right. really sucks. So, so the thing is, we have to just figure know what out. you're eating, right? You well, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're and watching something from the '40s, just know what you're eating. If you're watching like Goldfinger or watching Doctor No, understand what it is that you're seeing. And more importantly, though, if you're watching a contemporary movie, right? And just know, again, know what you're seeing. Being like, oh, you know what? Wonder Woman's awesome. I love it. I love everything. I want to cosplay that shit. But I also recognize that there right. are a couple of problems there. And that's just because of our society. It's because of a lot of different reasons. And so I just need to know that and to talk about it. And as the more we talk about it, the more it's going to get better and better. And we'll get more and more characters that come closer and closer and closer to not being problematic at all. And maybe right. we'll get some characters that aren't at all problematic. And wouldn't that be amazing? Well, that would seems like that would be boring. What? <laughs> Am I a boring person in real life? Am I a boring human being? But you're problematic. Why? <laughs> Well, because 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 you have lived a life and because you have made choices and decisions and because because yeah. because you make mistakes. Uh-huh. And ergo you are problematic. And so if you well that's no, I'm not a trope though. <laughs> I am a trope. I'm a trope. This is my <laughs> you're a trope. I'm not I'm a trope. <laughs> we should make a movie about us. So in other words, what we're but, saying you know, is no, my, my point is like what we're saying know, is, is that <laughs> it's possible to make don't amazing swallow the load if you don't want <gasps> to. Wow. You can choose to swallow the load. It has a lot of protein from what I hear, but don't get it up your nose because it really burns. <laughs> I did that. that happened to me once. <laughs> And I had a burning nostril for like three hours. And I was like, why? I don't think my partner had spicy chilies or anything like that. Like, why is that? Okay. Did you ever, did you ever listen to um, Aisha Tyler's podcast? shit. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. She did this conversation with Will Wheaton that I adore. She and, was so great on um, on tabletop. And Will Wheaton told this because she um, she had this segment at the end of her her shows where. So if you if you want to go find it, you should still be able to find it on iTunes, but somewhere back there is her interview with Will Wheaton and you have to find it. It's her podcast. Yeah. Girl on Guy. Oh, right. Yeah. OK. And she has this this interview with Will Wheaton. And at the end of all of her of her conversations, she has people tell what they call self-inflicted wound stories. Oh, oh, (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> oh, he's, he talked about the dick milk, didn't he? Right, right, where he, you know, had gotten... He's, ri- he's written the dick milk story, and it's such a beautiful story. It's oh, so, it's so it. amazing. And, and they were, the and in the podcast, milk. and in the podcast, they were talking about oh. how they had worked with brew, this brewing company to like do a beer. And I'm thinking they should do it again the next year, and they never did it, but they should do it again, where it's, they should do a stout. A milk stout. A milk stout. It would be Will Wheaton's spicy <laughs> milk stout. Spicy dick milk stout. Dick and, milk stout. Spicy dick knows that, and they've never done it. It's like, and I I think I even wrote to them about it. It's like you should do that because they do hoots. They do hoots out like every every couple of years. They should do a spicy dick boots out. Will Wheaton's spicy Spicy dick dick milk milk stout. stout. Oh my god, you're so right. Because that's I don't because so if true. you've heard that story from some other route and I heard it on the Aisha Tyler podcast and other I people did. have heard it. To the, I listened to him write about it. He wrote he wrote this amazing blog post about it. And it was this beautifully suspenseful like right. little article about what happened. <laughs> Oh and it's God, like it that, so good. So other people know this story. I get <laughs> it's like I swear sometimes because I don't have a lot of people around here that listen to all the podcasts that I listen to there <sighs> and they I often sometimes think are those stories yeah, I know millions of people ostensibly have loaded down, download this podcast. But yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody I talk to is like, going, yeah, I heard that one. It's oh like, my God, the dick milk. Mm, the dick milk. Oh my God. It's that's... just because of, you know, Will Wheaton for everything he's done. He's also an excellent writer. And yep. just the way he wrote about this story about what happened and how he had to deal with his dick. It was just, <laughs> it was so beautifully written. You were like on the edge of your chair reading this little art blog post. It was like a, like a one page probably article right oh he's like i need to explain and his wife catching him <laughs> he's like here's what happened <laughs> in the <laughs> kitchen like, with his... oh my god <laughs> just the way he like gave you certain information it was like when we you and i took keith abbott's bad business right. um class in grad school and he's like okay so when you know the information is more important than what you know as a reader when you're writing a mystery Right. Sorry, this is exactly what Wilbin was like. He was just, he gave us the right amount of information at the right time. And we were like, what happened next? Oh my God. So by the time he puts his dick in the milk, you're just like, ah, you're just like, oh. <laughs> don't do it, Will Wheaton. So don't. Good. No, don't do it. Oh. Anyway, so, so here we are. We've reached the end that was of, a good our, of our seven tropes and our, and our basic. Um, final assumption is don't put your penis in the sippy cup of milk. (laughs) Final assumption is Um, only take the load if you really really want to. to. No, it's, it's, it's basically pay attention to what you're watching. Yes. And, and know that, that sometimes these tropes, even though they give us, um, a flawed a way, a flawed way of looking at the world, of looking at ourselves, a false of, sense of badassery, maybe a false sense of badassery that does not necessarily mean that within the confines of the story, within the context of the story, it hasn't served a purpose. We can challenge that purpose and we, we can criticize that purpose. We can demand better. And call it out. Yeah, and talk about it. Just have dialogue about it. But that doesn't mean that we have to take these movies like Indiana Jones or Star Wars. James Bond. Well, you can maybe throw some James Bond out the window. Some James Bond. 
some James Bond. Not all James Bond. It doesn't mean we have to take these movies and and throw them out because they have this flaw. And I think just know what it is. Just know what it is, and and say, listen, you know, if you're going to do this again in the future, fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And I think I think here's where here's where the half a bottle of Val Policella and. And I haven't, I'm doing black ink red wine blend myself tonight. Yes. And I, I think this is a lesson that we could probably take and, and expand into other areas of our lives. We could take mm. this and even expand this. This this will be unpopular. I will be added. Well, um, I mean, it's how does this affect all the real men and real women and real badass women well, in the I, real world? Right, how does right. this affect us? Well, I well, what I'm getting at though more is is kind of is how this applies to art in general made by distasteful people. Oh, interesting. Okay, this right? is a whole new because because that's that's what we're. I mean, in a in a very we're microcosmic a whole another can of worms. Now we need to have another hour of a podcast to talk about this shit. Well, maybe we will at some other time, but I don't know. Yeah. But the point is, is though, is that these tropes reveal something deep dark and and problematic obviously about the way we entertain ourselves mm-hmm. and about our culture and about our culture and the way it's set up and the way it treats us and the way it treats other people the way it the way it encourages us to be uh inhumane mm-hmm. right yep now but we still like these movies. We're still able to take what is bad and set it aside and say, okay. If we, but if we can, and that's what these, tro- if we this, can. these articles are about. If we as can. As long as we can do that, yeah. And deal with that. So, and that, that to me seems like a little microcosm of what we're going to do with these movies by, say, Woody Allen or the movies mm. produced by Harvey Weinstein. Okay, these guys have obviously done some things that nowadays we find repulsive, obviously and justifiably and rightly so. Well, we always did, but now it's coming out into the open. Right. Now we're no longer allowing it. But then does that invalidate the art? Well, I mean, look at how many people still love Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass as classics of literature. You know, and we have to, I guess that the thing is, those, you know, that what that what that says to me is that we have to take some people have these problems and they're able to take that problem and channel it into something creative. And that creative thing allows them to express that dilemma in a way that reveals something true about humanity. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, so Lewis and so Carroll, then in their and in their lives, then if they hurt other people, though, then that's something to think about, though. And then so in, in this day and age, that's the question of, you know, do we still watch Woody Allen movies or is that enabling him or like it's just, it's a big it's right. a big question. Right. And so what didn't what then do we attempt to learn? How do we learn? Mm hmm. Right. So moving forward, how do we move forward from it and how do we make it better? You know, it's it's great to say, oh, Woody Allen was an asshole. Kid possible kid toucher, you know, 
chauvinistic, rapey, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yes, I do not want to support his art going forward. Going forward. But, you know, um, does that mean I never want to watch Annie Hall again? Does that mean I never want to see Annie Hall? Annie Hall was immensely important to me for one reason or another. Does, does that, does his bad behavior invalidate what he was able to say with Annie Hall? That's a question. Right. Shadows and Fog was it for me. That, that's the Woody Allen movie for me. Does, that and that, and that, thing, that same thing applies to these tropes. Does this trope invalidate the whole of what that movie does for me? Yes, we can demand better. But we cannot, can, we cannot rationally demand better. If we treat the the transgression as a black and white, love it or leave it type of transgression. Oh, exactly. No, exactly. You're absolutely right about that. Right? I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because yes. whether we whether we like it or not, sometimes our demons have insight into us more deeply than our angels do. Because and, our well, because what, our just demons, what you say is, we can move forward by by demanding better. Right. But, you know, and we have, like, just looking, we've been talking a lot of tonight about James Bond in and, particular. It's just because that's, between that's demanding valid. better and demanding so like, conformity. Just look, at, just look at the difference between, say, Goldfinger, which is the second movie, mm-hmm. James Bond movie ever made, and the other day I saw Casino Royale, the Dan- Daniel Craig Casino Royale. Like, look at the difference between those two movies. Okay, yes, there are all kinds of misogynistic tropes happening in James Bond movies because they're both James Bond movies. Right. But look at the difference. Like, look at and look and see how much people were demanding better. Between Goldfinger, where we had fucking Sean Connery's Bond going, say hello, Dink, say goodbye, Dink, man talk, smacks her on the ass and makes her go on her way. Right. Like, that could never happen in a movie today. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, like, yeah, we've come a long way, baby. We still have some ways to go, and we are, and there's a lot of... A lot of progress going on with the Me Too movement, with everyone right. talking about different genders. This is fantastic. Doesn't mean that we don't still have work to do. We absolutely do. But I right. mean, also looking at these tropes is not hating everything that we've always loved. Right. It's just looking at it clearly. Just look at it with clear eyes. And as you say, going forward, demand better. But just look at everything that you love with clear eyes. You don't have to stop loving it. Right. Just understand what you're eating and just make sure that your chips are hard enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I am in just in the very beginnings of writing a new series of seven oh, tropes. This will definitely um, be in there. And first this is one's for, already out. Yes, it is. The first one's already out. Um, this series, it's another series of seven, mm-hmm. and it is also being published on Writers HQ. That's writershq.co.uk, yep. and they are fantastic. Um, uh-huh. Hi, ladies. You can still, I'm still never going to ever spell aluminium like aluminium. It's just going to be aluminum. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just have to, that's a, that's a running joke between the, I always have to spell my spellings as British spellings and that's a running joke. I'm like, I'm right. never, it's never going to be fucking aluminium ever, ever. Sorry. So, um, anyway, 
is a new series of seven tropes um, on yep. Writers HQ, and it is called the Problematic Toxic Masculinity Tropes. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this as a balance because I noticed as I was writing about the problematic badass female tropes right. that that is absolutely reflected in the problematic ways that masculinity is being Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have started and my first trope is called go big or go home, uh-huh. which is about, um, and so basically the seven series of problematic toxic masculinity tropes is all about false ideas of strength right? and false ideas of what it means to be a real man yep. and how that is damaging to men, real men in real life. So there are seven tropes there and I can describe them to you in a different episode if you want but the first one's out called go big or go home the second one's about to come out uh soon-ish it's called grow a pair or boas don't cry um and then there will be another five after that so by the time by the time this series is released i'm sure there will be several ish several of the essays will be released and the link and the link in the show notes will take you to the to the index page that has all of these essays so you can start with the very first one the marion effect and read all the way up to whichever um toxic masculinity trope is is available when you listen point so And then maybe we'll do another podcast series of the masculinity ones. That's what we're planning on. So go check out the uh, the the essays on writershq.com and and come back and and listen to us perhaps in the fall or the winter when we do uh, the next series because you know that's just the way we roll it is it's writershq.co.uk links in the show notes because i'm drinking wine and i am too <laughs> say goodbye everybody goodbye everybody the Outrider Podcast is recorded by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and cleaned up by my badass producer, Heather Ann Eden. The songs Choose and Adventure and Break and Mend used in this series are by Wichita-based band Cartwheel off their new EP, Best Days, and are used by permission of the copyright holder, Kristen Chapman. You can get Cartwheel's EP on Apple Music and Spotify, so visit them at www.cartwheel.band.